Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome everybody, episode 188, Galen Trombley Show, returning guest, um, always a good uh, a good podcast with this uh, this fella here, uh, Al Godnaha. Galen, appreciate you having me always, always uh, a pleasure to be here, it's been a little bit, this is my third, third, third now, yeah, It's. I think it was, I was just talking to them about it out there, uh, it's, the first one was like April or May of last year, I feel like, maybe even June. Really? It, yeah, and then, and then after that. Longer. It was no, somewhere I, I in there because I remember I was just starting out at the time um, with what I was doing, and then I did one with Nick and Rob. Uh, that was like, your second one, though, Nick and Rob. I'm pretty sure this is my third. No, it could be. I, I. Uh, it was. The, yeah. I, I. That's a good. It's honestly a good question. I'm pretty sure this is my third. So, I've. Every time we get together, and again, we're just going to preface this because this could turn into a golf podcast. So it's if you don't like golf, golf, this podcast. is the time you shut it off. If you do like golf, <laughs> listen up because we're diving deep. And I don't think we had the we had the Masters preview show. Yeah. So I was thinking like it would be cool to do a preview show for every major. I don't know how realistic that will be. I think that's a great. I think that's a great. I'm idea, I'm going to try to shoot for it, but it's it, like worst case scenario, like. I have, selfishly, I have some golfers coming on between now and like the next two or three weeks. So I think I'll get a lot of like, a lot of like predictions and a lot of PGA championship talk, even though nice. it's not a PGA championship I think getting tournament. all that different insight is going to be so cool. I think, so got, I think some, that'll be neat to like compare and see we got what some, other people are thinking. All, all, all the people coming on are way better golfers than me. So then I like, you know, so I know they follow golf. So it's kind of like, and you can have a little more, you know, a better conversation with someone that understands golf. But, um, so if you want to start off, we can dive right into golf or you can talk, you can update us on anything else. Um, the Carolina hat's pretty dope. Oh yeah. North Carolina is my, my team. So you were jacked this year when they got to the finals. I was, I was loving that run so much. Like I don't, don't get me wrong. I will say I've been a North Carolina fan for a long time. I, I really started to like them uh, when I was really young. I remember in 2005 when they won, and they I believe they beat Illinois in the final. I remember like picking them. Yeah, in the Tyler Hansbro, that the team. Nah, that was that was, was before right that time. Him? That was that was 2005. Was like there was like Raymond Felton, oh, God, uh, Rashad yeah. McCants, Sean May. Yeah. Oh man, uh, who else was on that team? Hansbro came right. Hansbro after. was like Hansbro was like 09 maybe I think, but anyway I I've always been a big fan of them. Um, I, I really like like came to like him first because Michael Jordan like at Sterling's mm-hmm. college like Michael Jordan's one of my favorite players oh, David Noel yeah God um, and then you know Vince Carter and other names as well but been a big fan of them since and I remember when they lost to Villanova uh, like in the championship not too long ago mm-hmm. at the buzzer Marcus Page is three will be probably one of the best forgotten shots like I'll bet you a lot of people don't remember it but that that, run, that whole sequence of events was so smooth. Like the guy just like the, the receiving oh my and God. just he went well, right into see, it. See, so right even before that though, like the shot before that, in my opinion, was more impressive. I mean, with what was on the line, Marcus Page jumps up, does like a double pump 
almost like halfway down his body almost and then throws it up manages to tie it i remember being in like a college hangout area and we were all just going crazy when that shot went in and then that sequence that you're saying is smooth chris jenkins coming down catching the pass and sinking the three all we just went silent like just could hear a pin drop just couldn't believe it but it was it was definitely one of those like things like got it got a love that the team goes that far been a north carolina fan forever had a steering wheel Steering wheel cover, North Carolina. I've had a, I've had the driver, like the Tar Heel uh, driver, like mascot. I've had North Carolina, uh, like car mats, a lot, is, you name it. Is it always basketball? I mean, uh, it's a sport, so like... Yeah, I'd say so. Do you I carry mean, it on to like football? Not a big deal. Um, I mean, I will say this year in the Masters, one of the amateurs, Austin Greaser, runner-up USAM this, this past year, he golfs for Carolina, so I was loving that. The... Um, well, getting back to the the, uh, the 05 team, they beat Illinois. So I was looking, but this the Illinois team, do you remember that, that team that year? Vaguely. Like, I think Illinois, if, there's, if I remember correctly, but I, I think I'm wrong, honestly, there's like one player on the Illinois team that stands out to me, and I want to say the names along the lines of like D. Brown or it's, something. Yeah, D. Brown. But and that's, then Darren that's, Williams. I don't remember Darren, Darren Williams. On Darren that Williams team. played in the NBA for many years. So. I remember Darren Williams in the NBA, but I don't um, remember him on the Illinois team. Is he... No, he's retired. Okay. He's out of oh, the league. Okay. So Bruce Weber was the coach, but um, so this team was thirty-seven and two, and I remember them. And at the time, this was oh four oh five. So I was big into basketball back then. I was in high school, and uh, the other. So it actually says in two thousand fourteen, Sports Illustrated. I did did I ever know you were big into basketball? I don't know if I did. I don't well, know if you ever I, told me that. I've liked college basketball. I mean, big in the sense that like I followed it back then. I don't follow uh, this. Okay. Like, the first time I watched college basketball I this still, year I mean, was I still NCAA follow, tournament. I follow the NBA far more than college, um, but I do enjoy NCAA for sure. So, well, so in 2014, Sports Illustrated voted the 2005 Illinois team as the best ever not to win a national championship. And I remember this team when because they, they were number one almost the entire year. I believe number two was St. Joseph's, and and St. Joseph's had um, oh my gosh, St. Joseph's. Um, this is 0405. Oh four oh five. Oh, they had. Um, if you say his name, I'm going to get Dante West and him, and then uh, oh, and just point Jameer guard Nelson, Jameer Nelson. That was it. Yep. Yeah, good, good call. Yeah. So both of them were on the team, and when they were so that year it was those two. They were undefeated majority of the season, and it was kind of like is somebody going to go undefeated in college basketball this year? Because that's like that's unheard of, you know, realistic. Unless you're like, was it UCLA back in the day? People oh, don't yeah. go undefeated in, in basketball. Um, or at least men's basketball. Obviously, the UConn women were studs, but they uh, South Carolina too. I don't think they went undefeated this year, but South Carolina was a great team this year. Actually, I actually tuned into that quite a bit. It was those, women's basketball. Those, girls, those women can hoop. They can. When, really, they really can. When uh, so I'm a Notre Dame guy. So Notre Dame a handful of years ago, they won. I believe in like 2001. I think it's the last time. Oh man, didn't they might have? I won couldn't tell you then. that far. I was six years old. Well, they so they had. I think it was 2001. They had a really good team. Um, they won, and again, I was into basketball at the time. And I was did Notre you play Dame, Notre Dame guy? I, I mean, I, did, I played for Shay Z, which is like. Did I mean, you play I, through I played, high school. Yeah, I played all the way through senior year. Nice. I uh, I was the leading scorer my senior year. Who were you for the team? But how many points well, do you average? I want to say it was like between twelve and fifteen. Nice. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, that's real solid. It was decent. It was let's, decent. Let's I mean, our team wasn't very good, but that's uh, all right. And then twelve, fifteen a game, solid. Two thousand seven, we won sectionals. Nice. For, that's memorable. Last time Shazie's ever won sectionals. Really? It's been that long. I sat I sat the bench the whole game, so that so I, I was on the team. Um, so 
We actually had so in 07, remember Corey Lewis at all? Yeah. Stud. Like by far. Yeah, I've play, I've I've played basketball with Corey. He's still playing basketball. Yeah, he's great. He's a yeah. great player. Good good dude and um played with him and he I think he's in Germany right now. Yeah. Or, stud. Like very good. He's shorter than I am, but he's a really good player. And then we had we had some other really good guys on the team. I think we had The thing was we had some basketball players then and we had some athletes and our coach was uh Rob Guerin. I don't know if you know Rob. Oh all. yeah, I know Rob. Um and, he, so I got to know Rob. I, I used to go to Camp Jericho when I was yeah, younger, yep. and he was the camp director there. So, so Rob came to Shazy for one year. He got an administrative position. Northeastern wouldn't let him coach with, as being an administrator, which they quickly, I think, turned that around after the year. So he came up to Shazy and coached, and we went from not a good team, like middle of the pack at best. On a good year, we might have gotten like fourth in the league. We ended up finishing the league in second. We won sectionals we beat the number one seed in the finals ended up losing in the regional i think it was the regional it wasn't the regional finals we lost in the regional against um section 10 and the team that probably beat, like potsdam or something we played chattagay who was a who beat us by one point that day we had beat them earlier in the year first time like i think ever that we had beat them during we beat them my in the uh, season. my one of my good one of my buddies he was uh he was a good player for chattagay yeah, and they were studs. So the year they beat us, they beat us by one. They blew the next team out by 20, I think it was 20 something points the, te- the following day. Like we would have played that team from Albany. Then they went to the final four. They blew the team out in the semifinals by like 20 something points. Then they got blown out in the finals by quite a bit. But I was in my head, I was like, still made it that far. We could have gotten to the state championship game in basketball, which is you know insane. The following year, Shadigay won the na- uh, national, they won the state championship. So they were, I mean, they were studs, but we had a really good team. It was just, Killers. it was just, it was an anomaly of a year. But, yeah, my, um, uh, does, yeah, my buddy, Mike, um, I think his dad was, is, was the coach there. I'm pretty sure what he name? told me, Mike Boye, Mike Boye, that he was a guard sounds, there. He was, oh, he's nasty, played that, in college. That name sounds Good buddy familiar. of mine. Great dude. There, there, there was a, great dude. If I saw the lineup back then, I would recognize a couple of the names, but they, they were very, they were a very good team. Very well coached, very like disciplined, very organized. They weren't flashy. They weren't a team. They weren't going to be dropping threes on you. They were very much like run plays, pick and roll, get to the bucket, rebound, like defense. I mean, they were just very a fundamental team. One thing I've always wondered what it would be like, I mean, coming from this area was, was like what it would be like to play basketball or like be at a high school basketball game where it's like, like for example, when Gerard came here, when Joe Gerard came up in the area, yeah. there was like crazy attendance in the field house. I wonder what it would be like to go somewhere where that's like regular. And there would be even more than that for just a high school game. I think that would be you know what a it was crazy atmosphere. I mean, there's I, I'm a big fan of mixtapes, and I try to pick out names nowadays. Even like I'll look on I'll look for for talent on like Instagram and YouTube, and I'll come across some names here and there of players that I'm interested in, and I enjoy that. And it's crazy to see some of the talent out there. So what's what's the I mean what's the kid's name you just said? Mike? No, G- G- the Gerard. Joe Gerard. Joe is, Gerard. The is third? he still on the team? Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't think, follow enough. Like, uh, I think he's gonna be a senior. I'm pretty sure. I remember when he played because he's either gonna be a senior or a junior, one of the two. I I didn't know who he was when he played, and, and this is the thing. I just don't follow. Um, they got. A I mean, terrible website. I don't here. think I don't think anyone's gonna touch his record as far as state points. No way. So he's, he has, he's, does he have the record for state points? Oh my god, yeah. He's so he he so has more than Jimmer. Oh my God! So really? So so this so Joe Girard, Buddy Bayheim, career points is Wait, like is Buddy Bayheim and Jimmy Bayheim? Yeah, they're brothers, both and both Bayheim sons. 
Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, okay, they're, they're leaving. No, you're good. But um, they're leaving. They're they're both yeah, oh, senior and graduate. One's graduating and one's a graduate. Yeah. So they're wow. both they're both finished. Did they play? Yeah, they both had one season this year. But did they actually like, play? Oh yeah, they were good. Buddy's one of the better players on Syracuse. They're both one. They're two of the better players on Syracuse. Wow, I didn't know that. Sorry, yeah. I keep going. No, you're good. Um, Joe Gerard. Yeah. So his career points, I believe it hovers around like 4,700. The next, like the second place is Lance Stevenson at 2,900. Like he's got such a margin that it's, it, I don't think it will be touched. I mean, he averaged 50 points a game his junior year, about 47 senior year played at Glens Falls. He's a junior right now. So he, that's Syracuse. Again, I'm very out of touch, but he actually is like a stud for them right now. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he'll play in the NBA. Like I think he he's absolutely got the pro like shooting touch. He's absolutely can do that. He's got great vision. I he certainly could play overseas. I don't, but uh, I think he's kind of like a McNamara. That's what he reminds me of. So he went to Glens. He went to the same school as Jimmer. Yeah. Right. I think Jimmer was Glens Falls. Glens Falls or South Glens Falls, one of the two. Um, yeah, uh, I think he. I think it is the same spot. I don't know. I know he whatever records Jimmer has. If it's the same school, I'm sure Joe Gerard beat him. Wow, I, that's Mr. Crazy. Basketball in New York. Yeah, that's what he was. Yeah, I'm reading his uh, first eighth grader be named to the uh, he first game he ever played on varsity as an eighth grader. He scored 31 points. I'm pretty sure he hit the game winner too. Wow, I'm not going to read through all this, but this is. Uh, this I think so. He played here. <laughs> I remember when he came to came to play like Plattsburgh. I remember someone saying it was like one of his top 10 worst games and he still had like, man, like 42 points, I think. I, I don't remember. It could be too high, but uh, it like that number could be, but somewhere around there, it was one of his worst games and he still put on and I thought that was cool to see. So did he but break? PHS the, did a good job for sure. Did he break the record in his senior year? No, I broke in his junior year. That's wild. Score in the state. Yeah, you're right. Lance Stevenson. I remember that. Brooklyn's uh, Abraham Lincoln. Who else? Um, Sebastian Telfair. Remember that? Yeah, name? I remember Sebastian. Because he was supposed yeah, to be like yeah. really good and something happened to him. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously things happen to, to kids. Oh, but. so another fun um, state basketball fact. The record for points in a game uh, in the state is 98, and that was held by someone that went to Peru. Really? Yes. Still to this day? Yes. I think it was in, I forget what year. It was back in like the... 60s or something maybe 50s frank oh frank something uh, is, i've talked about this with a number of uh local guys around here but uh yeah and that's another neat little so that's points fact. in the game 98 yeah. so the other thing is this is going by the new york state record book so this does yeah. not include or new york state public high school does not include the the uh city so joe gerard has 47 63 the next one they have down is 29 14 that's lance right no it's miles brown Played the same years from North Star Christian Academy. Wait, as Joe Girard? Yeah, same. Oh, then that must be recent. Then he must have. He must be second. But but I'm saying like on here, um, he's not even on there. Um, Lance Stevenson, because it's just a New York State record. Because they're considered. uh, Is it the Peace Hall? What's not Peace Hall? What's uh, the city has its own uh, own league. So when they play the Federation Cup every year, I believe they take the New York State champion, the the city champion. Um, like the like the city of New York City. Yeah, has like you're their own you're 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 right, but I I'm not too familiar with how it works down there to be honest with you. So I thought Jimmer Jimmer was even close. I mean, I use that lightly. Jimmer had twenty four hundred and four. He's a legend in China though. 
absolute Jimmer? god in China. Really? Oh yeah. Lens Falls. So he forty seven sixty three. Yeah, like it's mind blowing. He led the nation in scoring. I'm pretty sure, like for two years. Maybe not. Maybe not a senior year, but definitely his junior year. Most like, points scored in a season. He was dude was averaging 14, fifty points a game. Fifty seven in his senior year. Yeah, he almost broke two thousand. Like, what is it? No, a thousand points is like a major milestone. Yeah, for people. yeah. He had fourteen fifty seven in his senior. I mean, year. this dude's putting up like he was doing huge numbers. He had like a sixty nine point game. I'm pretty sure he had like he averaged like forty fifty on the regular. Most points scored in the game. Chuck Kinney. Chuck Kinney. Of Peru. There you go. 98, yeah. 1954, 55. There you go. The closest one to him was 80 in 88, I think, 89. I think, man, I think, I think it was Randy. Do you know Randy Senecal? I think no. he, he's the one. He's a, he's a hoop around here. Like, great guy. Like Randy a lot. Knows a lot about the local history sports here. Um, great athlete himself. He told me about that, I believe. I think I think it was him. That that was done, um, like the ninety-eight point game. Told me a little bit about it. I forget exactly what it was that he said, but I how think, wild is that? Oh, I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, Wilt scored a hundred, but I mean, Wilt did that in the NBA. I don't think that'll happen again. Kobe scored eighty-one. Eighty-one. Um, so jo- Joe Girard in his senior year had sixty-nine points. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive. Most three, I mean, he's, he like leads statistically in almost every category. I mean, yeah, he looked looked when he came here. You could tell, you know, he yeah. was he was he was a good player. Check this stat out: most three pointers in a career. Second, okay, second most three three point uh, field goals in a career. Three hundred and forty-three. Oh, he's got to be over a thousand. No, well, no, three forty-three. If you double that number, it turns into six eighty-six. Joe Girard had six eighty-eight. So the Damn. second place guy, if he doubled Double his two. career, he was still higher than that. <laughs> that is wild. One hundred ninety-five in one, one wow. year. Th- look at this stat. Sorry, and I'll get off this. This I, I'm just is all new to me. This two thousand fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, seventeen, eighteen, eighteen, nineteen. Joe Girard has the four most three pointers in the season. Owns the record in his his sophomore his freshman year is fourth, his sophomore year is third, his junior year is second, senior year is first on the all time record. Yeah, that's in a year. So this kid it just like could shoot the rock. Oh yeah, like lights out. Absolutely lights out. And he's a great player for Syracuse. For sure. I think he's cracked a thousand at Syracuse. This is wild. Okay, we're, we're we're getting off of getting off of this. So um, <laughs> you could go down this rabbit hole for sure. Well, I mean, when you start, so actually, the cool thing. Let me see. So the again, I'm getting off of basketball because I have no ties. I mean, I played bat. Ooh, actually, I, I I love basketball. Well, the the one I wanted to go to was soccer because we we did a lot of soccer, and uh, when you start going into the records, let me see if we can find any good. How do you find? I don't know much about um, soccer. I'll tell you that. Did never, you, play, never did you play soccer? Did I? No, I was never a big fan of soccer. I mean, don't I give soccer players all the credit in the world? I think got to be crazy endurance to be able to do it. I mean, um, and I think it takes a lot of talent and a lot of skill. I was never very good at it. I just never a big fan myself. But I definitely enjoyed watching it, and I'd like to go to a professional like like a soccer game. I think that'd be cool. I've heard crazy things about it, so I definitely would like to do that. It's on the bucket list. Yeah, so I've I've been to my my only professional games. The biggest one I went to was uh, uh, the Women's World Cup. 
So when you were talking, oh, that's about, neat. So when you were t- in 2015, so we ended up seeing um, the United States. No, lied. The first game we saw was um, Canada, who was hosting. So we saw them in Montreal. So uh, Can- Canada yeah, was I was just, hosting. I was just about to ask, like, okay, where'd you? It was like, Montreal. Where, so Canada played. I want to say it was the Netherlands, and we went up and watched that game, and that was cool because we watched the host nation play. And then, um, because again, they, they rotate around. So they only play like Montreal once. And then they'll go to like Vancouver. And then they'll play in Toronto. So they put, go around the whole country. So the semifinals of the whole tournament was in Montreal. And we got lucky because the United States was in the semifinals. And there was two locations. I think it was Vancouver and Montreal. So they could have been playing in Vancouver. They played in Montreal. And we had bought tickets for the semifinal game months in advance. So me and my wife went up and we watched the United States play, God, I think it was Germany at the time. And it was kind of cool. Came down, Alex Morgan got tripped, like on our end, like where we were the goal. And then Carly Lloyd kicked the penalty kick, scored, and they won one nothing. And then they ended up going to the finals. And like Carly Lloyd, I think, scored four goals in like 10 minutes. Like no joke. She, and they won 5-1, I think it was. Um, but the re- when you're just talking about going out and seeing like a crowd of people, we just, I've heard I've heard the atmosphere. I mean, I can even imagine at the Women's World Cup. I've heard well, an atmosphere at like is electric, it, absolutely it, electric. It's wild. So when I, we 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 literally just watched this in the past week. So my wife's um, had to watch this for an assignment, and it was the Women's World Cup. But it was all the players coming back. Not all of them, but there was like maybe a handful of them that came back from that team. So you had like Julie Foudy, you had um, uh, Mia Hamm. Um, uh, what's her name? It's Michelle Akers, Brianna Scurry, like all these really good players. Brandy Chastain, the one who took the shirt off on the PK. Like they came back and talked about the 99 World Cup team. And what's funny was that was back when you know, women's sport really wasn't that big. And they're like, are we even going to sell out these places? They, they, the United States was hosting and they played at the Rose Bowl in the finals. And they were just talking about how many people were in the stadium. So we talked about like going out. And it was kind of cool. Like some of the camera views they showed. I'm like, the, I couldn't even imagine just what playing. What was the tally? Do you remember? Oh, I, I mean, I can. Because you know what? Have you looked? Have you ever looked at the attendance stats for the waste management? Insane. I mean, that has just gotten out of control at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like <laughs> it's it's insane how many people go to that. I, that is another bucket list item as well. Um, I saw. Well, I saw this on the. Uh, I saw this. On, oh, that's no. Oh, that's that's total attendance. I'm like one million people. No, um, <laughs> so it was the fi- attendance in the finals. Um, oh, I, I heard that. I don't know. Was it, Play that said this. I didn't actually watch and hear their answers, but they said, Would you rather make a hole in one in 16 at the Masters during the Masters or the 16 at the Waste Management hole in one? What would be your pick? I know, I know mine. 90,000 people were at the finals in the World Cup. Um, if, if it were at the Masters or the or the Waste Management. So you're this 16 would, at the Masters, or I would say, I, This me, is in a tournament. And I have in a, in a tournament, like this is a tournament round. You you get a hole in one. I will pick. Damn, that's that's actually tough. I, I have two answers. It's actually tough. But if I had to give you an answer, I I would say I would say probably at waste management, and I'll tell you why. I think that just that hole in itself is so unique and is so known for that one thing. Whereas at 16 at Augusta, Augusta is known for so much more than just that. And I'm not saying taking anything away from Scottsdale, but like that is like a a flagship item there. Whereas like at Augusta, you could have really anything. I mean, you could have Butler Cabin, not even the course itself. You could have, 
mm-hmm. you know, amen corner, or amen corner, however you say it. Um, you could have, you know, in the closing stretch, 17, 18, you know, it really anything. I think that experience as itself is, is so sick. But for me, I would like to have it at waste management just because I think that hole in itself is so unique. So my answer is the same. And the only reason, because people like the Masters, like no offense, the the hole-in-one at 16 at the Masters is iconic. It's a pretty regular hole to get a hole-in-one on relative to most par threes. Just because it's like... It's a bowl. It goes down. I'm not saying it's I mean, a hole-in-one. Yeah. It's still tough, but like when have you seen a hole-in-one on 12? When have you seen a hole-in-one on six? When have you seen a hole-in-one on um, four at the Masters? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a hole in one in any think, other hole, but that. Oh, one. I think I've seen one. I mean, the, the master shot that sticks out the most for me will always be Louis Tyson's W Glad Two. That that more so than Tiger's chip it on sixteen. Well, because I watched Louis live. I didn't. I've never saw Tiger's live. I watched oh. that double eagle live. So and I'm yeah. Ne- my my uncle had like I want to say he had money or something on Louis at the time, and we were going nuts. Is that two thousand eight? 2000, no, it was 2012. It was when Bubba won. It was 12. Came, it was like came down to him and Bubba, and you know, Bubba hit the wedge out of the trees, hooked it around, and like a 90 degree hook. Yeah. Um. So, I, I, yeah, I would say waste management. The only way I would say the Masters is if that hole in one allowed me to win the Masters. Then I would say hole in one in 16 because that means I won the Masters. But I'm like, if I got a hole in one in 16 and didn't win and it didn't really affect my outcome, like I was not going to win the tournament, then I don't care. That's another thing too. You get a 16. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, actually, that's a great way to think about it because you get a, you get a hole-in-one at waste management. You don't win the tournament. You take a lot away from it. But like, I mean, that's something well, you don't... It, it'd be like, would you want, a, would you want a hole-in-one? You d- like the idea is you don't win the tournament. Which one would you rather hole-in-one? Mine's 16 all day yeah, long at waste management. waste management. It's not for even sure. close. For sure. If you're, not, if you're not winning the tournament, waste management, absolutely. Yeah, and if you're winning at the tournament... Again, because for me, yeah, no, just that, masters, just that hole in itself. Masters. Well, when you say waste management, what's the first thing you think of? Do you think of oh, 16? Yeah. That, yeah that's like, the only thing I think of. Exactly. That, that, now now that, I'm going to think of Harry Higgs and, and Joel Damon on the course of No Shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, uh, Absolute legends. But the... Uh, great great how, guys. How do you think... The way I look at those... Like that whole... The way I look at all those guys... The way the tour is going right now, pro golf has never been more popular than it is now. And do you think COVID played a part in that? Because it got so many more people in the game. I my initial thought as to why it's become popular is I don't think COVID had any. I don't. I don't think COVID moved the needle enough. I think honestly, what and I, is there some of it? Yes, because people stayed home and kind of got into the game. I think the biggest thing is social media. I think it's the podcasts. I mean, you have like the four play podcasts, like. They're a bunch of hacks, but they have a following because they have Barstool's backing. You have um, the one of the, the the I think the best. Um, what is what is the what's the one Colt Nas hosts? It's golf. Oh man, carries it. But what's the name of it? To me, that's the best golf podcast because he's a he was a professional golfer, so he gets up and like he understands the game, but he understands the nuances and all like the little stuff where I'm gonna look it up. Like I, I find that like I like foreplay but i also find that those guys subpar subpar that's it though i like that one better because they were actual one was a player i think the other guy was a caddy but to me they actually they have like the professional golfers come on and do a long-form conversation now foreplay starting to add more into that but i also think that foreplay 
is definitely more of like the they're starting to get a little bit more golfy because it really to me it really started out as like that degenerate like we suck like we're just like you're kind of our bar stool but then I think now they're getting a little bit more professional in certain aspects um, not saying that you can't have the fun side but you're adding a level of professionalism when you're bringing in Scotty Scheffler you're bringing in <laughs> some of these professionals that are you know you see what they're doing with the tailor made crew like they're getting a little more legitimized the last like couple of years um, but I think conversation wise subpar is way better because those guys really understand golf they're in the ropes or doing the stuff where sure. four plays like me and you asking like you know professional golfers and who, like hypothetical like starstruck like all like these that. like yeah like oh my god how is it on tour and these other guys like yeah so on tour like this this is great this is bad they should change this and they're like okay now you're really diving into that i gotta give i gotta give that podcast more of a listen honestly i've watched i've listened to a few which like one sub subpar yeah subpar? i've listened I've, i think they've had ricky on before and i've listened to that really hope really hope he turns it around um you know, he's one of my favorite he's, golfers, but he's he's struggling right he's now. He's struggling big time. And what? He, I mean, he still has his tour card. I mean, yeah, I could see him jumping over to the Saudi for sure. So what makes sense for him? What's going on with that? I don't really like, know. I, I, I'll say this: I definitely my uh, my tone on that's changed a bit. At first, I was just like, you know, what's Greg Norman doing? There's no point. It's kind of skeptical, but now to see it come to fruition, and may I may not understand, you know, the backing of it, but for these guys to come out and you know, have a chance of doing that. I think that's cool in the sense of their golfers, let them play where they want. I mean, you know, it's up to them ultimately, but I actually was talking to my buddy about this and this makes the most sense. And I think if it was for this purpose, that it would be great. My buddy read this article or maybe he heard a blurb somewhere. I'm not really sure, but he had told me how he thinks that, or according to this article, so be it. A lot of these college kids, a lot of these top college amateurs are going to go play. Think a lot because ultimately what that's going to do is they're going to have a chance to go play these. They've never played on the PGA Tour or anything, so they don't have any status to lose. They could technically still do that. So if they go and play that, are they still getting an open, I say open invite? Are they still able to go back into Why wouldn't they? It's not like they were part of the tour in the first place. So the whole thing is if they leave, because that's the, that's the idea, that if you leave, basically you're not getting your tour card back. Right. So the, the idea that behind that is these college amateurs or these top amateurs, these young professionals, whatever, people who somehow get a chance to go play, like they, whoever hasn't played on the PGA tour or they, if they haven't played on PGA tour yet, they don't have any status, but that was again, the, the basis of this article. I don't know what it was there, but if I thought looked at it as like, Hey, if it's giving these kids like a chance to go make some money while they play and then kind of give them a little backing while they try for the tour, then so be it, man. It's, I don't really know how it's going to play out though. I, think the whole- I just thought that was like a pretty good idea about it. I think it's it's obviously coming to fruition. It's obviously happening. I mean, you have your players that have already committed to it. I mean, Phil, not I mean, Phil asking for the or he asked like, for the release for sure um, of the tour. Yeah, he wants. He to asked the tour, tour for he asked the tour for the release to go play in the in the Saudi event. Yeah, a couple a couple guys have already. Phil's one of them. So Phil is like giving up his PGA membership. I don't point. know how it's going to play out. He's still he's still in like he's still looking to play like the US Open PGA he's still what in about those the Champions fields. Tour and things like that I have no idea that's why I'm curious to see how it plays out cuz that I think that's the thing that really I mean, a lot a lot of the guys denounced it a lot of the guys pledged their allegiance to the tour but um, I mean the whole idea is cuz of money right I would think yeah I mean the, the purses are so I mean you got a kid who's you got purses of 20 30 million dollars that these are supposedly going to be 50 million dollars I mean, Tor's not throwing that up. But I think no. But I think I think the idea is like, where the, where's that money coming from? Yeah, no, that's the thing behind it. I, I that's what I was kind of skeptical at at first, but at the same time, I understand like you know what, if you're a golfer and you're trying to go get a bag, then by all means, 
Go for I mean, it. Yeah, you're making a career. I mean, you win one, you make $30 million. Like, what's that, 3X? Three, three do you, you need to play on the tour for the rest of your life yeah, if, you, I mean, if you make that? I mean, but I guess it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a, I think, I think the allure of the, the life changing sums of money that they're, that they're projecting, I think that's going to be a big allure. The hard part is, is you take that risk and it doesn't pay off and the thing folds in two years. It's like the XFL of, you know, yeah, football. And that's, all of a sudden that's you're like, the chance. Uh, that's the chance you take. I mean, I, I now, mean, a lot of these guys have established careers already and I don't think what Phil's doing, I don't, I understand how people may think that it's going to tarnish his reputation or whatnot. I, and, and I think John Ram, John Ram just came out with something saying like, you know, the man said a sentence. It shouldn't tarnish his legacy. He's one of the best, you know, top 10 players ever. And Ram's got a very good relationship with Phil. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I, I, you know, I would agree with that statement. I, I think what Phil did was, you know, he took a shot at a tour that's been supporting him, but at the same time, like, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. So, well, the thing is, they're all independent contractors. They're all like they have their own. So yeah, why why shouldn't they be able to dictate where they go play? Is there other tours? Every again, tour that I, I know are they are they part of the PGA tour? No, I don't think so. Like the 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 European tour is. They're all sanctioned under well, the same. So like, the yeah, it's like the DP World. I think they have like the Challenge. But I think the Asian tour is part of the PGA. What's the Sunshine? I don't know. Or like because there's like the PGA Tour of Australasia. I'm pretty sure. PGA I, Tour I, Japan. I, I, I think it's like, all that. That's all under the PGA Tour umbrella. I think. I, yeah, and I feel like the the so like going and playing the European Tour is still. It's like playing the Corn Ferry Tour. It's like you're. Nah, I'd, I'd throw the I'd throw the DP World parallel well, I mean, to the I'd throw that to the the Euro Tour. I'd throw that parallel to the PGA Tour. Maybe not yes. as good, but no, it, I'd it's, I'd throw it just. I mean, some of the events. Some of the players, the talent over there, it's tough no, to say. No, if you go, the PGA Tour is always is the flagship. That's the main one. But then the Europe, it goes European Tour. And, and then you got... And then I would say... Euro's it, destroying us in the Ryder Cup most of the time. Yeah, no, the, no, the European Tour is... I watch all the time. I love it. I'm saying... Yeah, you tell, I remember I'm, you telling me you were a big Euro guy getting yeah, up in the morning. But I'm saying like the idea of the European... So you have the, Oops, the PGA Tour to me is the top... I mean, that's the top tier. That's like I'm playing... It'd be like if you play soccer, like MLS is not the top tier soccer rel in the world. It, like I would argue it's probably the EPL, like English Premier League. But you have some other, you have La Liga, you have Serie A, you have like all these major um, right. s- soccer leagues <clears throat> around the world. Same with like basketball. I mean, I, I'd say the NBA is the, the top. But like you have, you know, but the Euro in Europe, got leagues in South America, got leagues in, in Australia. So, but if, you're, if you were a guy that played in the European... It was like baseball. Like take like Ichiro Suzuki. They play in these Japanese team or leagues, Korean leagues, and they're studs. And then they they all gravitate towards the MLB because that's where that's that's the, that's the that's big where stage. the big well yeah well that's I think what that's money what is that's where sponsorships are. I I think uh, I don't think Phil. My only thing with Phil is if he does go, I'm assuming he loses champion tour status, which is crazy to think about because he is just. I mean, he's fifty what one fifty two. Yeah, I mean some, he's he's newly like to that. the Champions Tour. So you look at some. I don't of these guys, know. I don't know if he would. That's you know. I don't know if he'd lose Champions Tour status because apparently that's like, a good. He's in a like he's in the U.S. Open field. Yeah. He's in the PGA field, yeah. but <clears throat> now both of those, I the PGA Tour is the same as the PGA of America, right? No, they're different, separate entities. Okay, yes. and then the USGA is separate. So yes. those two tournaments and the RNA, and the RNA is RNA. also separate. So yes. I think the only one. Now, what about the Masters? Is the Masters? I think that I think that's also its own, but I, I don't know if, how that works. To be honest, like you obviously couldn't play in the Tour Championship, you couldn't play in the P, you couldn't play in the Players Championship because that's PGA 
Like that's PGA champ. That's the PGA Tours. Yeah. Main thing. So yeah, I think like, all the majors. So like the PGA of Amer- the PGA Championship, for example. Mm-hmm. Next time you watch the PGA Championship, like, I mean, you know how you see all the graphics. Like if they show how many people are or who's under par, if they show a scoreboard, they'll have the PGA Tour logo. If you watch the PGA Championship, they'll have the PGA of America. Yeah. You watch yes. the Open, typically RNA. Like yeah, the um, USGA for the and USGA for the US Open and, and things like that. So I would I would think yeah, as far as the Masters go goes maybe. I'm not sure how how that would go or have, how it's its own entity, but um, it, it's wild because Robert Garrigus I know went over. Who who's the other players that jumped jump ship? Supposedly are going to um, or yeah, rumored rumored. Uh, let's see, Kevin Nas rumored. Really, I think Westwood Poulter. Um, I got some names that I wouldn't be surprised if they go. I mean, it would make sense for them. Louis Oosthuizen. You think so? Oh uh, no, he's going to. Uh, For sure, he's highest ranked so far. That's going. He's number. Wait, Louis 15. already said he's going. Yeah, I think he's. Wow, so he, he's or he's expected to anyway. Um, I like. I wouldn't be surprised if if Martin Keimer did it. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky did it. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys. What were they throwing like played. Bryson and Dustin Johnson out? What? Bryson was they all- already. They're not DJs to the tour. All the big names now, most of them are pledging their allegiance to the tour. I think this league is going to be a lot of, if they let the college kids in, great. But I think it's going to be a lot of older names on tour, like a pre-champions tour, maybe. Hmm. I think that's another interesting concept I've read about it. Said Bubba. Bubba, yep. I, I think, so what's, um, I guess my, so what's Greg Norman have to do with it? Greg Norman is like spearheading the league, I believe. I think he's the CEO of the LIV Golf. I believe. And what's LIV stand for? Again, this is all new to me. So this, I, am not I mean, sure. I know, I know of. I haven't done enough research into it myself. LIV Golf Invitational Series. So the, I'm assuming it. It's just. It's I haven't weird. done enough in, uh, into my into it myself. It's just so. weird, kind of like like Louis stays. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm curious to see like. But if you think about it, it's just. What, I'm curious to see what people go like when names come out. When names come out, but it, but here's the thing: if you decide you want to play in that league, and then like you're banned from everything else, but you can play all the majors, what do they care? Like I'm gonna go play the majors. I'm just not gonna play the PGA schedule. But honestly, if you think about it, they probably won't even be able to play the majors because if they don't play the PGA schedule, how are they gonna maintain a world ranking? How are they gonna maintain, you know? Who determines world rankings, though? I think different tier events and if you're playing lower tier events that's not taking anything away from it but i i would be surprised if you go on if you go on official world golf ranking yeah it'll if they'll typically show you the winners from all the tours that are like qualified for that week but but i'm wondering who is the official world golf rankings oh here we go this is I, i didn't know this eligible tours Asian Tour, DP World Tour, obviously PGA Tour, Japan Golf Tour, Asian Tour, Challenge Tour. Yep. I mean, there's a handful. PGA Euro, Euro Pro Tour, China Tour. So the, so it'd have to get it, but like something Thailand, obviously they don't carry as much weight. Sunshine Tour, um, official World Golf Ranking Founders, Augusta National Golf Club. That's Thug when you're like own clubs up there. USGA, RNA, PGA, P- PGA Tour, P- European Tour. And then it's the World Golf Championship logo, but what? I, International Foundation of PGA Tour? 
Does that make sense? What? World Golf Championship? Maybe. It's got like the, the World Golf Championship, like the globe thing. Um, what is this? The official World, World Golf. Ranking? I just can't read the writing on it. It's like it, the screen. Actually, let me see if I can zoom in. It looks like International Federation of PGA Tours, which would be the World... Um, or the, yeah, the World Golf or um, WGC. Those would be up there. So I think it's showing it on the uh, the mobile site. Pablo Lazarabal. He's, he's good. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's playing really well on the European tour. Um, yeah. So the, okay, they got they have some players there. Scotty, number one. I mean, Scotty's by like. So what's your thought on that? Because you were the first guy to tell me about Scotty Scheffler. Was I? First guy, like. Literally, I had no clue who he was. And then you're like, dude, this guy shot. Like, I, I heard the name Scheffler, and you're like, you got to watch him. Like, okay, I'll keep my eye out on him. And this was like yeah. two years ago, no, maybe? So, so yeah, I, I first came across Scotty Scheffler when he was 16. I was probably 17 because I'm, you know, a year older. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was an article, like a high, like Texas teen breaks two course records in two days. He shot two sixty ones, and one course record that he broke was Hunter Mayhans, and he was a big name at the time, like 2011, 2012 on tour. Like he was a big name, um, and I was like, damn! Like at that at that time, I was really getting into golf, like really like getting into it hard, and so I, I kept an eye on him um, after I read that, and like so I touched, I, I tuned into like the U.S. Junior Amateur, um, and I would I saw his name there, and I watched. I remember like while I was working at like dishwashing i remember checking the tournament to see what the scores were and he won that in 2013 and just kept following his career from there you know he went to texas was an all-american at texas did four years there was a freshman of the year i'm pretty sure um and then from that he went on to the corn Ferry tour um ripped on that for a year corn Ferry tour player of the year and then here he is i mean he's always he's 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 definitely he was he's played in a lot of, of amateur events. Like I remember when he was an amateur, I remember what like seeing him in the USAM and things like that. Uh, there were a lot of amateurs I used to follow that are on tour nowadays. Um, but yeah, that's that's the first I came across him back then. So it's been about ten years. You know what's wild is Phil is fifty fourth in the world. There's some good players behind him, but I think his PGA Tour win carried so much weight that like as he's starting to drop down. Yeah, I I don't. I think it's great that he won it. I don't know how he won that won that major, to be honest with you. But I mean, I think it's great that he did. Sepp Straka's playing well right now. Sepp too. Straka, yeah. I, I, oh man, where did he go to school? I remember reading uh, his name as an amateur. Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Bulldog. There's there's a lot. I used to be into the the college golf scene a little bit. There's a lot of names I've seen go through the college ranks. Like, I remember watching. I remember watching Bryson when he won the college championship. I remember he was at watching SMU. Yep, I remember watching with Harry Higgs. I didn't They're, know Higgs back then. They were then. teammates. Though. I didn't know of them of him back then. I remember watching CT Pan. I remember watching uh, man, who else? Bo Hostler, Scotty, obviously. Bo went to what? Texas or Oklahoma? Yeah, Bo went to Texas. I remember watching like Robbie Shelton was a big name coming up. Uh, he's not on the. I don't think he's on the tour right now. I think he's on the Corn Ferry. Uh, but yeah, the, it's cool to see you know like the growth and then uh, Sahith Gala. Um, I, I, he's, he's another name that he's, he's, he sounds like a good dude. I listened to a podcast episode with him on it and it was a great listen. So he, he sounds, he sounds like a good one to follow, but yeah, um, that's, I first came across Scotty about 10 years ago. So what do you think about the final pairing? I thought it was so Cam Smith was the other Cam one. Smith's a killer. Like he, he went, 
first off, I at first when he had his mullet, I I didn't get I wasn't a big fan, but I'm used to it now. Do you remember? So when he came on the scene, it was the Masters when he got run, runner up. Yeah, and he had the same same look, mustache and a mullet. He just and his caddy was smoking darts the whole time, and you're like, who is this dirtbag? <laughs> and I just remember this kid coming out. And I'm like, Cam Smith. Like, where does this guy come from? And it and it literally looked like these guys got. He just like signed up at like the local amateur qual or local like a uh, local qualifier, and he pulled this caddy out of like the Cam's a killer. He's like he I'm, I've seen him on tour for a few years now. I mean, and he's proven it to us that he's, he's fourth in the world right now. Great, he's he's a great player, and he's proven he can get it done. I mean, I wouldn't count him out of any tournament he's in. I when the final round of the Masters started, I thought Cam was gonna win the tournament. I thought he was going to surpass well, Scotty. I, and and honestly, up until hole three, it looked that no, way. No, that, no, yeah. The yeah, because I mean, three, Cam, like, Cam, Cam I mean, we started 200 through two, and then, well, then they were in the same position. I think that chip in on three. At, when that went in, I, I remember looking over at Nick because I was watching it with him and a couple others. I remember like looking over at him and I was like, dude, like, come on. Doesn't it seem like right as that ball went in, it was like Scheffler took and just took it like a, like a, uh, a pin or like a, a knife, like right into the balloon of Cam Smith. Cause then oh, yeah. he just fell apart. And I was oh, like, yeah. it was amazing. It, that, that's, that was the momentum. That was a momentum shift right there. Like the, the momentum killer on Cam Smith, but have huge ever, boost for Scotty. Have you ever seen a momentum shift that early in the round? Cause that was a sizable momentum shift. Man, because one trying bogeyed, to, one birdied, and then it was just like he just kept pulling away. There, there's a there's a few, not for anything that substantial, like not for the Masters. I remember back. Oh man, oh. I remember back in college in 2013. I think it was. You might be saying the same one I'm thinking of. What? No, go. I want to hear your story. I know one. I know one. What? There's one shot that sticks out to me in regards to that, as far as momentum shift, because I watched it live, and that was at it was the I think I think it was the Hero World. 2013 i'm pretty sure but okay, basically what it was was zach johnson hit a shot and he went in the water and he went he was in the drop zone and he needed it was 70 yard shot like 80 yard shot had to make it to get into a playoff with i think tiger and dude two hop rolled back right in the cup like as he needed to do it did to get into the, the playoff. playoff i think he did over tiger i, I, I can't remember fully but he, he i think he did i know I don't know. I, I really, I got, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look that up. But I remember that shot. Like, I, that was just, it, it was crazy watching that. I remember watching it in my buddy's dorm room, like across the hall. Let me, let me see if I have this, the year right. I just want to see if I had the final There's a right. bunch of shots I've seen highlights of, though, that are just like, whoa. So the one that, I just want to make sure I have the right year. Because I know the course, I know the hole. Yes. Let's hear it. What you got? I actually, th- I think I beat what I was going to say. So, I wonder if I know this shot. <laughs> 2010. This is where my brain went when I thought of anybody worse, bigger momentum shift than the third hole. 2010, Pebble Beach, second hole. Dustin Johnson, like, doubled or tripled. A par five. Oh yeah, he did. Which is playing now as a which which played. I think in the last U.S. Open played as a par four, because it was it was like a five was like a five hundred fifteen yard par four because it's a short par five in real life relative to most holes. So, Graham McDowell won the tournament uh, by one shot over Gregory Havret, one one hit wonder, two strokes ahead of Ernie Els, 
three strokes ahead of Phil and Tiger, and then four strokes ahead of Matt Kuchar and uh, Davis Love the third. So like that's a start like back in 2010. That's a big leaderboard. Dustin Johnson, this was when he was young. He was he shot 71, 70, 66 in round three. And let me just see what the par was on this course because the reason I say that is he pebble. Oh, he was playing as a par seventy. Sounds about right. Seventy-one. Sorry, lied. He was playing as a par seventy-one because they they that was the hole. He might have tripled it. Maybe they're playing as a par forty. Tripled for seven. I remember watching a video about DJ's uh, collapse on Sunday. Wow. He shot okay. So this is this is the reason it collapsed. Graham McDowell. Wow, Graham McDowell shot even par to win the tournament. DJ finished the tournament at five over par. He was eleven over par on Sunday. Yeah, we shoot eighty two. Eighty two. Had had he had he shot five. He would have won the tournament if he would have shot five over par. Ooh. And he shot 11 over and lost by five. What? All right, I got one for you. What so about, that was the biggest collapse. What about, I don't think that was the biggest collapse. I think 99, Vandeveld was the biggest collapse. That was late though. That was seven, That was 18. That was the 72nd hole. Yeah. John Vandeveld. No. John Vandeveld. John Vandeveld. 99, yeah, Carnoustie. He needed a double bogey to win the tournament. And he to tripled. win the tournament, and he tripled, and he right? tripled, and lost in the playoff because he hit into the either burn. that or there's a there's a female golfer I think I forget the name, but she missed a one footer. She had a one foot putt to win a major. She lipped it. Paul Lowry won that. Wow, one foot putt to win a major, lipped it, lost in the playoff. Imagine that. When was that? Oh man, I'll have to look it up. That was Paul Lowry was down by ten strokes at the start of the fourth round. Completed the biggest final round comeback in major championship history, highlighted by yet Vandeveld's triple bogey at the last hole. How wild is that? Guy triple bogeys the last hole and you win it. Oh, I couldn't. I mean, Carnoustie's a nasty. I mean, that's what he's known for, too, unfortunately. Carnoustie's nasty. Um, first round leader, Rod Pampling. Remember him? <laughs> that's a name. Classic. That's a blast from the past. Rod Pampling. I actually have his autograph from a PGA event years ago. Um, Craig Perry, remember him? My my favorite Craig Perry story is a hole out for Eagle that he won in a PJ Tour event. I, I think it might have been. It was Dur- I think it was Doral. Remember they used to play in Doral. Oh yeah, he was so, with the blue Craig monster. Craig Perry, I've seen I've seen um, clips of that of his of his um, shot the, to win. He was in a playoff. playoff. Yeah, it was in the yeah. playoff. Hold it out from the. Yeah, he had a little bit of an over the top swing. Fun yes. fact, one yes. of the few. Um, oh, third round. Sorry, we'll keep going. They were six over par that round. Tiger Woods finished four back. You know what I would have loved to see? Um, man, what year was it? What year was it? 74. 74 winged foot. The, the, the massacre. massacre at winged foot. I would have loved to see that. So what's... Yeah, like what... That would have been... What was the final on that one? I think the winner was eight over. Is that the highest to par? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever? Well, it was because Johnny Miller torched Oakmont the year before. So the thing, this is, do you like Johnny Miller as an analyst? I think he's a great analyst. I think he's very blunt, um, but I think he's a good analyst, yes. The one thing that killed me about Johnny Miller, and I couldn't stand him, was because he, Johnny Miller was always the guy, and again, great 
player champion. He when he announced for tournaments, the one thing that I found with him was he was very. It seemed like he had that. It was harder in my day kind of thing. I felt like a lot of his analysis was relative to his era, and it always seemed that like, well, back in our day, we had this or we did this or the course was longer. The gra- like everything was just hard. Like, you know, I walked a. Uh, you know, uphill to school through snow both ways, like impossible. You can't do that. But like, <laughs> but it was like one of the uh, one of the ideas. Like, it just seemed like he was very critical of all the players. But then it was like anything they did was always better. It was almost like the mindset of like well, our team was better ten years ago than the kids that play now. It's like were you like, or you just have your mind was just different. Like, so he was like probably what twenty something years old when he won it, and now when he's sixty, saying like, well, things were just tougher back then. I'm like, no, they're probably the same. You were just like twenty seven years old, twenty five years old, and. Now you're 75 years old and you just have a different perspective. Of course, yeah. I mean, different equipment, different perspective come from a different era. Yeah. I mean, let me ask you this in regards to kind of a not, it's kind of jumping back into basketball here a little bit. Who's the, who's the goat, Jordan or LeBron? So how many championships does LeBron have? Five or four? Five. Cause he won the COVID year, which I kind of like. He won, he's got one with Cleveland, one with LA. And I think three with Miami two or three with Miami I feel like he's he's got four or five Mike's got six four he's won four he's got four so my, Jordan's got six so and also LeBron has a losing finals record Jordan six and oh so but that's not to take away I think it's I, I think it's Mike but I think LeBron is great in his own way and he's a one of one player that can't be replicated so this this is my way that I would put the greatest of all time if I had to compare the two, and I'm going to give you my pros and cons of both, and I'll give you my final. From a champion perspective, it's Jordan. From a stats perspective, it's LeBron. Overall stats. From an all-around player, it's LeBron. Scoring, very close, but I think MJ has him a little bit, right? And then... When you start going down through like the the finals record, like okay, LeBron is if he has a losing record, was he four and five, four and six? So LeBron's made the finals more. I than I think Jordan. LeBron too. Separating from statistics, I think he's not to say Jordan isn't. I mean, his name's known everywhere. I think LeBron's better been a bit more philanthropic. Like I think his school initiative is really great, and <clears throat> well, I think he's utilizing his platform a bit better. So, but I'm not one to be a critic. Well, I, I think if we had to go again, if you're trying to take every single thing that you could po- or he could possibly do or whatever, um, but, but things off the court, the impact of MJ was greater than LeBron from a cultural standpoint too. Yes. If you watch the last dance and you like really yeah. internalize like, yeah, the Michael Jordan, I mean, even today, even today, people will still be talking about him 50 years from now. Yeah, like I and now the thing is with with and he's uh, been retired now for almost twenty years. Yeah, about well, more than twenty. Yeah, almost twenty uh, years. Next year, I think will be he twenty played, years. I think he played. I mean, he's been two thousand two. Yeah, oh three. I remember watching his last game. With remember, the Wizards? I remember taping it on a VHS. Yeah, that was that was weird seeing him in a Wizards jersey, but um, I get it though. The uh, yeah, you can come back out of retirement again. It's all right. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> and, and so, I mean, still, I want to. I would love to. He he's someone I'd love to play golf with. Jordan. Yeah, that's a if, pipe dream. But. If I if I had to if I had to pick though, okay, yeah, that, Jordan, that's actually my next question. Jordan or LeBron? 
the greatest of all time, I would still say Jordan. If you could ha- a golf foursome, including yourself. So we've, we've had this conversation. Before. Have we had this Wait, conversation? No, not you and I, but I've had this. I think it was with Jared and Ryan. What, what's the golf foursome being professional golfers or anybody in the face of the earth? I would say you could do one of each, but if, in this case, I'd say anyone on the face of the earth. So, I mean, if you go, if you go face, I'd say, all right, I'd say golfers and non-golfers. Like professional and then anybody Professional else. golfers and then non-golfers. So I think the the idea of like who you would play with, if, if I really had to boil down, and again, I'm going to give like the... I know. This I mean, is, my, my non-golfers one is simple. It's, it's, not, it's very easy. Like non-professional golfers? Non-professional golfers. Okay. I mean, I have two that are very easy. I got to think of the third one, but... Okay, so l- let me hear your your list first because I have... I've never thought of, let me hear your list first and I'll go through. So, I mean, I'm going to give you four lists. Like, so are we, you're giving me four lists. Yes. But I'm going to okay. tell you why I'm picking all of them. All right. And I'm doing, I got three per list because the fourth foursome obviously includes yes. me. All right. So which one do you want first? This is your golfers. This is my golfers. Tiger. For sure. Um, I'd say Ricky. I'm still a fan of Ricky. I'd love to. I'd, I mean, I think he'd be a chill, chill guy to hang out with. Mm-hmm. I know him and Tiger are buddies too, but that's just extra. And then got those two. Um, and then would you say it's like they got to be current? Or no. is that that's all time. list? All time? Oh, all time? Scrap Ricky. I'm sorry. I thought they had to be current. Ricky would be current, like Tiger Ricky. And I'd say probably... I'd say I'd say probably Scotty. I think that just because I followed him for so long, I think that'd be cool. Come full circle, um, but no. So if we're going all time though, Tiger, Hogan for sure, and Jack, Prime Jack, T- Tiger, Hogan, and Jack for sure. A lot of good ones out there, but so who's who's your other list? Um, man, my non non golfers would like who could, who would I want to play with? Non golfers, I'd want to play with Michael Jordan. Steph Curry, and I haven't, you know, the third one, I have to give it more thought. Uh, I don't know if it'd be another athlete, or I don't know if it'd be, like, a celebrity. Um, I'd have to give that third one more thought, but Michael Jordan and Steph Curry for two are two for sure. Okay. Um, and then what was the fourth list? So my... What are, what's yours? I'll have to think of my third one while you go through yours. I'm actually going to give you... Five. I got five lists. Let's go. The, the more, the more, the so more lists, the better. Gonna, Come I'm on. I'm going to give you the, the, this is the, this is how my brain works with the five. It depends on the situation. So my first okay. one is okay. professional golfers, um, alive. Sure. Then I have professional golfers all time. Sure. Then I have professional, then I have professional golfers for fun. Like who I'd had the f- most fun time with. Well, Harry Higgs has to be in that one. He is. But the most fun. <laughs> so. And then the then the fourth one um, was the one you said that were non golf celebrities, but I think I honestly and this is a weird thing to say, but if you had to say if you said you have one round of golf ever left to play, like who would be your dream foursome? I I have a mixture of and I know this is weird because they don't even play golf. I have a mixture of playing golf with all three of my kids. That's fair. Would be my foursome. None of them play golf. I mean, they they like they hit balls around. But if I had oh, to like yeah. really one pick yeah. your last round, 
And if none of them made my, like, if one of them did not play, then my dad would go in for the other kit. So that would be my dream. Like, if you had to say one more round of golf, it would always be my family. But Sure. No, I, so, I attest to that. Okay. I agree. But then if we're going to, like, the fun part of it, living golfers, this would be all-time living golfers. I'd put Tagger. I'd put Phil. And I'd, I'd probably say Ricky. Or not Ricky, sorry. I mean, uh, who said Ricky? I was thinking <laughs> in my head about who you said. Tagger, <laughs> Phil, and probably Rory. Rory. Would be, those would be my three. I've been following Rory since 07 when he came out. Nice. Um, all-time golfers, this is where it gets tricky because for me, Tagger, it would be Jack and or Arnie, and then it would be either Hogan and or Bobby Jones. Well, so it's tough to hate like, to hate to burst. I, I got to pick one of each. Nah, Bobby Jones is well. He's not, not actually. He's not, he's not professional. professional. But you did I, say all time. You did say. All I would time. say instead of Hogan, I would. Uh, God, Hogan, I, damn man, I don't know. I would want to play with Hogan solely because I would want to see how he hits the ball. Like that would be just. I mean, I I could watch his swing on repeat. You always say Bobby Jones because I could like, watch his swing on repeat for sure. Sammy needs Sam needs another one for sure. Yeah, man, that's tough. One. If I had to pick Jack or Arnie. I guess from a champion perspective, I'd have to say Jack. And I think from Bobby and Ben Hogan, Bobby Jones won more championships, right? Like, like even if you count well, the amateur titles? Yeah, if you're, if you're counting amateur titles, I think Bobby Jones is at like yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah. Uh, With, I, I, mean, he, I mean, he won quite a bit of... I mean, he won some majors. Oh my god, nineteen thirty! Like he was, he was the greatest. I mean, did he win the Masters? No, never did. I was gonna say, I didn't think he so. obviously he founded, like, it. he founded it. Yeah. yeah, no. So he has thirteen majors if you include the amateurs. Jeez, he won the USAM five times, <laughs> British Am once, Open Championship three times, and the US Open four times. Um, That's wild. To, also, a Lieutenant Colonel in the Army. Fun fact. My favorite movie of Bobby Jones is Legend of Bagger Vance. Great movie. Okay. Real, what would you say is the best golf movie? Oh, God. There's, um, I, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Are you breaking this down between serious and comedy? No. Like, I'd say Happy just straight Gilmore. up. Straight up. Just, Happy Gilmore. I, I, movie I, I've seen I, the most. I would, I'd concur with that one. The movie uh, I've seen I'd actually, the most. Actually, toss up. Toss up for me between Happy Gilmore and Greatest Game Ever Played. So that's what I was saying. Is it comedy or is it? I would say just straight up. Like Ten Cups, another great one. Legend you know, of Bagger Vance is a great one. So you know what's funny is I've never seen Tin Cup. Really? It's been on oh. my book. So so okay. So this is if you had to say Galen movies, golf movies you have seen, the three would be Happy Gilmore's number one. It's the movie I've seen the most in my life. Happy Gilmore, followed by. Greatest game ever played is, and Legend of Bagger Vance are the two. I feel like I'm going to give the edge to Legend of Bagger Vance. I like the storyline. Greatest game ever, I do pl- like ever played. St- I do enjoy um, Bagger Vance. It's a good movie. Francis Wilmette, one of three champions at Brookline. This year we'll find the fourth champion. They're going back to I Brookline. I just think it was so... I mean, imagine that. Ima- what he did, like... As an amateur, right? Just, ima- just imagine that. 20-year-old amateur, and you win in the U.S. Open, being Yo, the top pros in the world. Imagine that. I mean, it's, so that one's based on a true story. So yeah. I, I, maybe I'll give that over Bagger Vance because yeah. it was a true story. But yeah. um, I think, so Tin Cup, 
about a week ago, week and a half ago, we had to watch, um, my wife had to watch for one of her assignments, Bull Durham, the baseball movie with Kevin Costner. I have never seen Bull Durham before. I've heard of it. I never saw it. It's, it's an okay. I mean, it's good. It's, um, I think Sports Illustrated ranked it the number one sports movie of all time, and I would disagree with that, but it's fine. They put it what? there. What? Yeah, it was true. Really? Yeah, it was by far not the number one sports. Was, I would have thought, honestly, if, if if I had to give you a guess, if you were to say to me, what do you think the number one sports movie of all time is, and I had to give you an honest guess, my honest guess would probably be Remember the Titans. That's on my top, very high list of all sports, of not sports movies, all movies. I love that movie. Yeah. Like it's, um, so, it's so... Coach Boone. Um, such a classic. That would be up there with for me. Miracle would be up there for me. Miracle, yeah. Nineteen eighty team. My so my my mom. Rudy. Did, did you know that my uh, so my mom? Um, the answer from Saturday The answer is yes, but I don't. I forgot where you're going with this, but I know. Yeah, she like helped out. Like I think she met some of the team, but like she worked the Olympics. Like because was, she was in Saranac Lake. She was in high school at the time, and like they they like I guess that like they whole they the whole like village or whatever like helped out with the Olympics. They took like there was time off of school and. Things like that, from what I remember, from I what they, you, from what the stories I, I remember anyway. I think you did tell me that. Um, Fun fact. But I would say, God, remember the Titans? Yeah, remember the Titans? Uh, I think Coach Carter's up there. Glory yeah, Road's Coach up Carter's there. Coach Carter's up there for me. Which one? Glory Road, I liked. Um, that was a basketball one. Texas mm-hmm. A and Texas, Texas, Texas um, Western. That's when they beat Kentucky. Yep, when they beat Kentucky. True story uh, too, right? Pat story. Riley was on that team. True story. Kentucky team, not. Do you know Pat Riley's from Schenectady? I did not. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Really? Yep. How did he go to college there? Uh, I think he was just... Who was the college coach at Kentucky? Rupp. At that Adolph Rupp. Rupp, that's it. I was thinking... I was thinking um, Adolph Rupp. I was thinking Smith. Um, Dean Smith, Dean Carolina. Dean Smith from UNC, but it's not him. Yeah, Rupp. No. Um, so, no, I did not know he was from there, but I remember Pat Riley was one of the players on that team that got upset. Yes. And now he's... Is he general manager? He's a heat heat exec. Uh, I think he's like president. President? Heat executive. Great hair, slick back. I I, I always thought that was like super cool. Uh, When I was younger, I used to definitely try that. Um, Yeah, he's like the Barry Melrose, just like the greasy like flow. Um, Yeah, Glory wrote, Coach Carter's up there. I I just like that. Um, I just like that whole story, like underdog story, kind of scrappy. Man, best sports movie. It definitely wasn't, um, definitely not Bull Durham. But it's, the Bull Durham thing was Kevin Costner was in it. Kevin Costner is in Tin Cup, so I wanted to watch Tin Cup. That was the whole storyline there. The rookie baseball movie and the the greatest, or not, um, um, for the love of the game, the baseball movie also. So the rookie I've seen, Kevin you know, Costner, like like Henry Rowengard. No, no, Henry, rookie. I'm thinking of rookie of the year. Not the rookie, rookie the is the old rookie. De- was that Dennis Quaid? Dennis Quaid's in the rookie. Yeah, rookie yeah, of the year. Morris from, rookie uh, of the year is, is that's the kid that was on the top, Cubs with the rubber arm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've not seen Angels in the Outfield. I've not seen that either. I've seen like clips. Oh, of it. Angels in the Outfield's classic. That that's a uh, that that had a good cast actually. That had um, I think I think Danny Glover was in it. Yeah, um, yeah, he was. Christopher Lloyd was in it. Jordan Gor- Gordon Levitt. I just found out, and I know he's in it, but I didn't realize at the time it was Matthew McConaughey. I listened to his book. Yeah, he he yeah. He was in it. He was the guy in the outfield, and he said, "How's that?" I, I actually wanted to ask you, how "How's is, that book?" How's no? How's that that quest going? The the sixty books. I'm I finished seventeen. 
Um, so you're on you're on a good pace right now. I was really far behind because in February, March, I think I read one book, and I just I just I was reading a really dense book that took me a while to get through, and then I was listening to a dense podcast that took me a while to get through a uh, uh, story. So I kind of do- dove into really. Um, What's long- been the, the of the of the books you've read so far? It's been your, the best one, you think? Um, or the most rewarding. And then I want to get into other golf questions that I have for you. The best book that I've read is again. I'm going off of memory here, so maybe I'm the best. The best book I found, the one that I've read that I found has the most knowledge, or the one I gained the most knowledge from, was the one thing. Um, the most entertaining was Matthew McConaughey's. So I use I, I read a lot of uh, nonfiction, business, self improvement. Like yeah, no, like, that kind that's of more what like, I try to read. I would try to read as well. I, it's it's I'm trying to make it more of a habit. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at like having that as a habit at all. There are definitely books that I'll try to put. I'll try to read and I'll get halfway through it and then stop and got to get better well, about that. I I I always have one on audio audible like listening because I, I have to listen to them like when I'm driving or when I'm like doing like housework or chores or something around the house. I have it on. Right, right. And then I typically have a hardcover going. Um, so I have a Audible book going now. And I started two books literally the same day. But I'm going to go through the one of them that I think is a little bit more timely that makes sense. Or something that I want to learn more about first. Because there's a lot of books I'm like, man, I want to like... That's a, I'm really excited to read that book. But then I put, I like triage it based on like where my mindset is or where I want to... Like sometimes I have some really good books and I'm like... I may not even get to this year because I have a lot of stuff in front of it that I'm like, I'm just more inter- interested in this topic or I need to learn more about this topic right now than that topic, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. So I, I pick it that way. But I... what What's your next one you're looking at? Which I'm listening to Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins right now. I've had a lot of people say it's a really good one. That Navy SEAL guy. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've I heard good things about that too. I've been he, told to give that a the listen. The guy's a... I mean... Like you listen to a story, like this guy is just like crazy, like mentally, just like very disciplined, like like, lo- like locked in. Yeah, I mean, you're like listening to the stuff. He's like, I just didn't quit. I stayed hard. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, damn, I'm good, man. Like, I don't. But I mean, he's got he 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 goes into his upbringing. He has some demons that he's fight like mentally fighting, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the thing. And then the other book I'm reading is called Profit First, which is a kind of a financing book. Um, and I've had a lot of people. Uh, God, I probably have had four different individuals recommend that book this year alone. It's down, it's on my, actually under my binder, but, um, Oh yeah. I've had four, I want to say four people have recommended that all independently of each other or five, maybe in like in the last like three or four months. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. You gotta do it. And these are like people being like, you should read this book. Like I got a recommendation for you, this book. And I was like, and what I'm finding is, Oh wow. Like I've heard that. You know, that's well, actually kind of cool. I well, got I to gotta do it now. Yeah, and what I'm finding with a lot of the books that I'm reading is that a lot of them keep kind of coming up where I'm like, that sounds like a good book. And then that one sounds like a good book. And then it just keeps bouncing around where I find that four or five or six or whatever different people are all saying this book is good, which then you think, okay, there's got to be some type of universal um, connection to this book. Like Principles by Ray Dalio I want to read. Um, Man's Search for Meanings, another one. I'm trying to – so I'm looking – Beyond you, I'm not trying to. No, you're good. Um, 
And then I have a few yeah, more. Yeah, look right at me, right here. I know, right here. Atomic <laughs> Habits is one. Psychology of Money is one. Um, Psychology of Money, yep. Have you read that one? Uh, Andy, let me borrow that. Yep. Andy, same one. He gave it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, or Hannah gave it to me. But I Yeah, same. I have that and I have how I, oh man, it was like how I saved my money or something like that. It's Got Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Audible right now. I'm going through that again. That's the book I think I've gifted the most. Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah. It's a good book. It's a great book. It's 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 good. Um, Definitely one, makes a lot of sense. One thing's up there. Um, I think that would be a book for you to check out. The One Thing. The One Thing? Yeah. Which is, I think, good. I, I've read it like four times, but I've read it at different points in my career. And it makes more sense to me. It's more relevant now than it was the first three times I've read. I actually read and list. I didn't count this, but I've actually... I think there's two... I think there's two books this year that I've hardcover read and then listened to also. So I've read 17, but it might be the 18 or 19 if it's if rereading the same book in a year counts. So like just because some of them like I really like this, so I want to either quickly re-listen to it mm-hmm. on Audible or I listen to it and I'm like I want to dive back into the hardcover because I want to take notes in the book. Right. So oh, I've never been a notes in the book person. I am. I, I, I wish I was. I wish I was. I've never... Oh man, it, it's ugh. it's like a new pair of shoes. Like I have a hard time. I know it's what they're for, and I know it's what you get them for. But like, if you get a nice pair of shoes, like a new pair of shoes, I have a hard time wearing them because like I don't want to. I don't want to dirty. You don't want to like. But make, then, but then once like, I'm into it, like we're we're full you, in. Like, like I look at like there. you don't want to like crease the book. You don't want to no, bend the cover. Yeah, you no, know, you don't. Like and, it's and, ah, you want to make it look great, and you well, want to make it last as long as you can. And then you get a little little bend in there, and it's just but part like so I'll fold pages down. I'll write in it. So what I found is that if I get a book, my goal is to read through books to the point where I find that I can go back. And every book has some good stuff in it. But I'm finding is as I'm reading, there's some books that I will put on a pedestal and be like, I will come back to that book. And there's a few books that I read in the beginning of the year. Um, the hard thing about hard things would be one I would keep. Then there's one about what the same author, Ben Horowitz, and I think he put what you do is who you are or something. A good book. I just it's not something that I would, I would save. It's not like staying on the. So I have a lot of these books that I like read and I took some notes down. And I'm like I might just gift them to people or donate them because I'm like I just can't keep having a lot of books. Um, but there's a, like the one thing goes on the shelf. You know, um, hard thing about hard things going up on the shelf. Like I'm saving those and there's a few of them I've read. I'm like ah, this is good. Like the uh, yeah, I don't. know. There's a couple up there that I've read, but I'm I'd be fine gifting it or it's or a colorful donating. bookshelf yeah and it's and i'm kind of just working my way through i, I probably have i would say I probably have 75 books up there and then nice. my house i probably have i gotta be better about, about it 30 I, 40. I really gotta be better about it i you know it you know reading but, was my thing when i was younger i was able to do it when i was younger i remember when i was in first grade fun fact um i i, I don't know if it was just you know my, my reading group or whatnot but I read to my class like in first grade and um, like you just, you volunteered to read. N- no, like that's what my teacher had me do. I was, I, I don't want to like, so I was in a reading group on my own in, in first grade, mm-hmm. I think cause my reading level was higher at the time. I'm not, again, I don't want to sound conceited here in any way, but like, yeah, that's that. I remember doing that uh, being in like my own reading group. And then another kid um, who I was, had a class with second grade, he and I were in our own together and, um, it was, it was cool. Like I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy. I remember we did some, that kid and I, his name was Alex Husing. 
nice kid. He and I, we, we made a comic in second grade called Super Bird, like branching off of that reading group we did together. It was, it was cool. It, it, it was like one of the, one of my memories from being really young in elementary school. I remember I read in first grade, I, I read Amelia Bedelia yeah, to my class. And I used to say Amelia Bedilla because I thought Bedelia sounded girly and I didn't want to sound girly up there. So I used to deliberately say it wrong. I knew it was Bedelia, but I didn't want to say was it that, that way. Is that a series of books or one? Yeah, book? yeah. A series? Yeah. Amelia Bedelia. Yeah, I remember that. And then uh, maybe that was, there was another one. There was a girl. Um. Oh, oh gosh. Ramona. Is that what you're thinking of? Ramona, no, I remember that R- one. Ramona, Ramona Quimby or something. Yeah. Wow. Good. Yeah. Good memory. Um, um, not Amelia Bedelia. I, the only reason I know it is because my um, kids, my man, niece I remember, gave it to my kid. My my niece gave it's it a to series? my kids. It's not. It's not. I remember it's like Hardy ser- Boys and Nancy Drew. I was Hardy, big into those. Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia Brown. Um, oh, I did. You ever have you ever heard of the Time Warp Trio? That was a good series. I read that in elementary school. I enjoyed that. It was about these kids who had this book that they like travel somewhere wild. It was pretty dope. Like. It, it was just this magic book they had. Um, well, I definitely remember reading like Benicula, like back then. I remember and that Benicula. These is all elementary school. I, I that I remember Goosebumps. You remember? Reading I, Goosebumps? I read a few Goosebumps. Goosebumps I definitely remember read like Bailey School Kids and. Um, but no, I, I think I, as far as the same type of book, I'm with you. There's a couple that I've read um, over the years that have been good. Um, for example, one I read was called um, "Talent Is Overrated: What Really Separates World Class Performers from Everyone Else." Okay. I thought that was really neat. Just re- kind of dove into the concept of deliberate practice. Judy B. Jones. Judy B. Jones. Judy. Judy B. Jones. Judy B. Jones. Yeah, that's that it. sounds familiar now. That's the series. That that sounds familiar for sure. Almost six year old Judy B. Jones. And yes. Judy. I didn't know it was Judy. I always thought it was Judy B. Jones. Yes, Judy B. Jones. I remember that now. That's awesome. And then there was. Uh, I don't know if it was a book series. That Arthur. There were some books that were. No, uh, was a book I definitely series, played. But... I played a few computer games that were Arthur. No, no, they weren't. They were. Maybe I did. I don't remember. So Arthur was a. Great I don't know. Series Arthur was a series. They were a good. It was a good TV series for sure. But I remember the, watching but it. But the books were like thinner books. It was almost like the Bernstein Bears, like the thinner. Yeah. They're like picture books, but that you you probably only still like love them though. Pages, twenty pages. Hmm. Um. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, Ramona Quimby. Good call. <laughs> yeah, they, I, clearly, I, yeah clearly. I remember those books uh some, like vaguely Beverly um, Cleary yeah I remember that that's well she's kind of shout to she's a little older than I thought she passed away whoa she passed away March 25th 2021 at the age of 104 oh nice wow solid that three is, digits that's a good that's a that good is, one in, uh, I, I watch this thing on sunday mornings it's willie geist and he, they at the very end they call it a life well lived and they always like highlight like someone i, I think someone that passed away recently but like what they did like that no you know the, years, you know who just passed away recently the world's oldest living person at 119 really? japanese woman yep it's always the asian people that do that I, I think the, the the record holder though is a French woman. Really? Yeah, her name's Jean Jean Louise Calvert. I think she was the fact you know that eighteen seventy five <laughs> to ninety seven. I believe. Jean you check Lu- me if I'm wrong, but I think it, I think that's what it was. What was her name? Jean G E A N N E Louise L O U I S E Calvert, and I think it was eighteen seventy five, ninety seven. French woman, hundred twenty two years old. Pretty sure. That's. If- what Louise? No, Louise James Calvert. No, I could. I think it could be wrong about the name, but um, something Calvert. I think. 
uh, age. I'm going to put 122. Age. She's Jean 122. Jean-Louis Calvert age? No, I think it's different. It 122-year-old like- woman. I'm pretty sure oh. she's 122. Well, now they got pictures of this old lady. Francis Jean Calvert. There it is. Not Jean Louise. My bad, everybody. No, that's... I mean, the fact that you... Francis Jean Calvert. Yeah, that there is you go. wild. 75-97, right? 75-97. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let me... I, I, I got to see if this... Because there's other Jean... This one lady is like 88, so maybe she was well-known. Fran- whatever. She. Either way. 122 years old. That is crazy. That's a testament right there. Like, that's unreal. Oldest person ever. That's wild. Oh, speaking of that. No, Gene Calmet. Calmet? 75 to 97. That's who you said. All right, so I got the butchered the name, Jean but French Cal- lady. That, got the years right. That's incredible. Gene Speaking Calmet. of oldest person, you see Jay Haas just got the record for oldest person to just make a cut. Make a cut. 68. So you know what's the funny? Wow. No. What's that? No, so Gene, so the person that just passed away was what, April 19th, 2022, was Kane Tanaka. Yeah, she was 119. Gene Calmet was 122. Yes. Oh, so she didn't break the record. No, Calmet has the record. The oldest. This this lady's number two, the one who just passed. Oh, guess what? The the longest living person in the United States was Sarah Noss, 119 years old. The oldest active living person to this day still is Lucille Randon, 118 years old. And she is from? France. Nice. There's also a lady from Poland who's 115 years old. That's so sick. That's that's, so cool. So imagine like this Louise Randon who was born in 1904 is a French super centurion, the world's oldest verified living person. Following the death of Kane Tanaka. Wow. She's the oldest known survivor of the COVID pandemic. Having tested positive for, I'm assuming that's COVID, a month before her 117th birthday, outlived it. She's a Roman Catholic nun. Wow. Wow, this this lady is just... She's an asymptomatic and tested negative days before her son or seven. She got COVID. She just she just powered through it. She said, "I'm not COVID's said, not taking nah, me. not for me." Tan Tanaka, super centurion. She's the old. This is wild. 1903, where's something village Empire of Japan was when she was born. It was called the Empire of Japan. 1903. Yeah. How wild is that? That's. Five kids. World War One, World War Two, Depression. Her husband died thirty years ago, man. Which would still most likely be pretty old. Super centurion, a person who's reached the age of one hundred and ten years old. The age is, is achieved by about one in one thousand centurions. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. That's that's wild. Major age-related diseases. Until shortly before the human, maximum human lifespan is reached, which I'm assuming at this point in time is 122. It is. It's verified to live 122 years old. Wow. What do you think someone our generation is going to live to? Not that. You don't think so? No. I think someone our generation is going to be living to close to 150, 130. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> think, think, about, think about the way that, that 
um, the way that technology, uh, medicine, yeah. and science is yeah, progressing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because so, thinking about it now, it was a bit of an impulsive answer. Well, well, now I guess there's two two ways to look at it. Somebody that does not have any modifications, let's call it modifications. If somebody was hypothetically to live and you had to like start like they started doing like stem cell or replacement, like you're replacing organs that were failing. Like if your heart's not good and you get replaced with a new young heart, is there, is that heart able then to, it's almost like putting a new battery in the car. Are you able to get how many more miles do back you, out of it? Do you understand? Like, yeah, that is actually a good question. I wonder how, I like, I wonder what that. about the feasibility of like cryogenics? I wonder how that's going to go. I don't know. Like, it's very, it's, it's, it's a pretty well, fascinating concept. Everything starts out at a certain, it's like anything else. Like everything starts out as being like taboo or not the norm or whatever. And then it starts or anything starts to become cheaper. Think about the first time someone like got on a plane, got in a car, traveled or did something. How much money did it cost to do that? And then now, now all of a sudden like people fly every single day, but when there's only a couple flights, or back in the day in a train, like how much was a train ticket when the trains first were going? Now it's like, oh, I can get on a train and travel cross. What do you think of uh, Musk's Hyperloop? Hyperloop? Or, yeah, or like hi, um, his hypothetical, I think it's called the Hyperloop, he called it. Is it the Boring Company? Could have been, yeah, it could be. With a tunnel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe... Is that not called the Hyperloop? No? The Boring Company is the one... See Elon, what'd you call it? Hyper Hyperloop? Hyperloop speed. Uh seven hundred and sixty miles per hour. Yeah. But the hyperloop theoretically could bring passengers from city to city in less than forty five minutes, traveling top speed of seven hundred and sixty miles per hour. Um yeah, so basically his and I think he said this on the Rogan podcast, was that the hyperloop, which I believe is from the boring company, yeah. Tunnel building for urban transport business. The boring company will attempt to build a high-speed and still theoretical hyperloop in the coming years. The idea behind so the idea behind the hyperloop and and I'm going to put this in a way that if have you ever seen the Polar Express? Oh yeah, classic. Remember when the elves get in that little thing and it shoots them through? Yeah, and they go back to the, like the North Pole. Yeah, oh Santa's like he's yeah, coming out for sure. That is the hyperloop, and I remember watching it. My kids really got into that movie, so I remember watching them. Like that's exactly what he's trying to do. It's this vacuum, or it's just like vacuum sealed no air which is no friction you because that's there's no headwind you're just going through nothing or like whatever whatever the stuff inside atmospheric pressure how well do you think the human body could like sustain that or like handle it the g-forces yeah i think they would just make it to the point there's i mean i think it wouldn't be bad though because you're going there's no friction like if you're going up in the air like G-force, you're hitting I, again. I don't know the, but you have pressure that's affecting you. Right. Like it's like going when your ear I'm, again. I could be wrong, but it's like when you go through the mountains, you hit a higher elevation, your ears pop because it's pressure. Mm-hmm. So when you have someone that goes up in G-force, and I, th- I think it's just because the change, like obviously the speed, but I think a lot of it has to do with the change in atmospheric pressure because then it acts. Um, the, the your body is like adjusting to everything. It's just not there. Um, so. The hyperloop, because of atmospheric pressure and, and, again, runs substantially free of air resistance or friction inside this tube. The idea is that I believe he said that you could – Virgin Hyperloop conducted the first human trial in, t- in November of 2020. It's test site in Las Vegas reaching a top speed of 108 miles per hour. But I think the whole idea is you could go from, like, New York to L.A. in, like, an hour or something or less. Yeah. Which is insane. That would be crazy to think about. 
But what I think might what eventually will happen, because again, he talked about this. He talked about two things, um, at least on a podcast with Rogan that I was listening to, is that the idea of going down underground, which is not, I mean, there's subways, you know, things are things do go underground. But the idea of going underground with a frictionless thing is that, I mean, what's the, the straightest line or straightest thing is a straight line. So the earth's not straight. So you'd have to go around the earth. You know what I mean? Like just your actual pathway from LA to New York has to follow an arch or it has to follow a, uh, the, the, the curve curvature of the earth. So he's saying instead of doing that, make it straighter so it's vacuum just, it. so it's just a little more streamlined i mean i don't know how deep these are like i mean <clears throat> going down into the mantle of or, yeah yeah you know, um whatever the next layer down mantle but um i think it will happen in our lifetime it's like anything else like i mean it's just a matter of and he said it's, the other it's thing it's kind of wild to think about what's coming in the next de- few decades or what the potential of what could come anyway but they also said about flights he goes you just go higher in the air and you can travel faster because there's less pressure. So like you don't go in the space, but instead of going 30,000 feet, can you go up to 50,000 feet and fly twice as fast? And, you know, I mean, right. Maybe. And then come like, back like, down. Like how, if you had to fly to Japan and it's a 14, 16 hour flight, could you go up and make it a 10 hour flight? I don't know. Like, I don't know the, the science behind it, but. It's what cool I, to think about. Well, now he owns Twitter. Yeah. Which is yeah. wild. That is wild. Which is the first time I think I've ever seen a public company of that size. If I had forty four, if, if I had forty four bees lying around, yeah, I might do the same thing. But well, I mean, the thing is, that didn't make a dent in his. Like, no, it did. That's what's like, crazy. What? Like, all right, yeah, here. But, but you ever seen someone take? They, I think they said that the shareholders are going to make thirty eight percent profit. I think it's. I mean, I, I, he's uh, a visionary, if you will. Oh, absolutely. Have you read his book? No. It's his book. Someone wrote it, but he was a part of it. Ba- no, I yeah. haven't. Um, you know, you know what? It fa- it's fascinating about him is that I've done research and like looked up like how does he do all the stuff, all the stuff that he does. And I think what it comes down to, obviously, he's got an incredible work ethic. But I think the idea, what it comes down to, he internalizes a lot of information. They said when he, he used to read like I don't know, ten hours a day, voraciously. All the time. And I think he said as a kid, he would read through like the entire, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica cover to cover and just learn about everything. And then what happened was he took all that knowledge, was able to make connections. And I think they call it first principle thinking where you basically bring all of the thoughts. Um, So I've done some research like Googling just what like first principle thinking, but it's taking all of the something that's very crazy and like maybe uh, you know, uh, what's the word like technical or very advanced, but you strip it down to first principle thinking, which is called like your, your basic fundamental truths. So if you're, so one of the things that he used as an example was batteries or people like, you can't do it. Batteries are too expensive. And he's like, well, what are batteries made of? And he started figuring out what batteries are made of. So he's like, okay, well, if we can just take those things and put them in the shape of a battery, those things individually are really cheap to get. So instead of getting like full on batteries that were already produced, I, th- I think if the idea was break it down to how much each material costs, then buy those, find a way to p- make that material cheaper and then assemble it with cheaper, the same material, but cheaper where somebody's like, you just can't do that. And he's like, well, no, you can, you'd actually do it this way. Now the battery's way cheaper. So like, and, and so it's kind of like thinking outside the box a little bit. And, uh, I was watching one, 
video online and they're like, okay, go from start to finish. It was a maze. And they say, see if you can go through this maze in 20 seconds. And like, I, like I'm watching it and I got through it in 20 seconds. There's a pretty, but I mean, by the time you kind of like wandered with your eyes and like kind of wrong turn, whatever, you can make it to the other side. And he goes, okay, like if that, if the goal was to go from start to finish and it had a line, that said, a box that said start or entry that said start and a finish that said finish and had obviously the maze inside. He goes, what about this? And he goes up, doom, boom, to finish. He goes, that's kind of the idea. Is that <laughs> instead of actually going through all the loops, nobody said you had to go through the loops. He just said, how do you physically go from start to finish? So someone like Elon Musk would be like, just go up, over, down, and then you're there. Instead of having to go through all these these loops. And then instead, <laughs> it's that, so cool then they go, well, about. maybe the other one is, you know, start to finish. Instead of going up and around, you just go straight to the line, like a straight line. So it was like, when you did that, it was like a paradigm shift. You're like, wait, I thought I actually had to go through the maze. We're like, no, you just had to, how do you go from start to finish? But like our brains are trained to like follow the map, like all the way through. But you can go like, well, you can actually just do that or go straight line. Like, yeah. So that's the idea is that he kind of... I feel like that can kind of carry over into golf in a sense. Like, kind of, there's multiple ways to post a score. You know, like there's yeah. like three shots in one putt is the same as two and two. Wait, say it again? Like, as far as carrying over... Oh, three shots in one putt. Like, like three shots in one putt is yeah. the same as two and two. You're still posting a four. It's You're still finding a way to do it. It's not... It's not the same as obviously going through everything versus like thinking outside the box, mm -hmm. but it's more so finding a different way to achieve the same thing. If that makes sense. Yes. No, absolutely. And I, we think about like going for pulling a driver out and risking it to have a short wedge shot or a chip in versus hitting an iron iron because you're trying to get that payoff, but like, right. And, and what it comes down to is say someone drives a green on a par four and three putts, mm -hmm. whereas you go iron, iron, two putt. You're matter. still walking off at the same score. The, uh, I think that's like when I think about my golf game. What's I did have a I did have a question for you. Yeah. What's your biggest like? What are your golf goals this year? What like in in regards to your game? When you think about your golf game, what do you want to accomplish this year? What's your biggest goal? First off, is to annihilate Andy Lamonto. I'm just kidding. Actually, no. That's actually no. We got I, I definitely. A, that's actually not a goal. That's just my. I just want to shit talk Andy. I just want to, I definitely want to get out and play with you guys again. For yeah, sure. We will. We'll, we will. Even if it's not Wednesday, we'll play. But my, my actual golf goals. So my, so backstory for anybody that has not listened to one of our golf podcasts, I used to be a single digit, like a, a, a good golfer back in like high school, everything else. Got out of the game for almost 10 years. Um, from basically 20 to 30. I just really, I didn't really play in my twenties. And, uh, was that because you were building this? Um, yes, Just grinding. But you, you know what? Yes, but I, the other part of it was when I graduated, when I went to college, there was pretty much, I would say, three factors that played into it. Number one, a lot of my buddies that I played golf with just weren't around. like Because college, like the guys I played a lot with went elsewhere um, so that was one. Number two, I was busier. Like I had college, I was working, I was coaching. Um, so that was a little bit of it. But I'll be honest, the not really having people to play with was one because my buddies had been gone. Two, I was a 20-year-old kid. I didn't have a lot of money. So like sure. I'm not – even for me to get a membership, the cheapest membership at the time for me at that age was North Country. And I was living in Plattsburgh. So like – the round trip to get up there to play it was like, I don't really feel like driving a half hour 
playing, driving a half hour back. Minimum, it's a five hour chunk of time, and I have nobody to play with. And so, how often am I going to go up there? And then I was just busy. So it was like a, a perfect storm of just things I couldn't do. But Fair. my golf goal. Did your clubs come in? Yes. Yes. Oh, last, yeah. Last, last night. So my, my golf goal. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a few more minutes. We'll talk about that. So my, my golf goal this year, I really think is to try to get down. I would love to get down to an 80 scoring average. And the reason. Like. Like, like, wait, what do you mean? Like my average on eight, like on average, like 80 or like low eighties regularly, 80, 80, like high 72, low eighties, 80 in the middle average. Okay. Correct. So I, the best I ever got to, I think my average was like a 70. God, I want to say my, my, my best ever scoring average was like a 77 or 76 lifetime. It's like when I was playing, but I ended the year last year. If you took my last, like. Because the way handicaps are all established, my handicap at the end of the year, based on my last like twenty score or whatever they do, was like a twelve. If I had to take my last, maybe like ten rounds of last year, I was probably like an eight, maybe. So like I, I got down substantially. Like my my scoring average at the end of last year was somewhere probably around eighty two. If I took my last like ten rounds, that's probably. Um, <clears throat> so that and, means you got to find a way. Shave two strokes off on average from the start of the season. So like I had played yet this year. No, so I've had like some twenty. I had some nineties last year. Like I think my worst score last year was one hundred four, and I had like ninety five, ninety two, ninety. And then I started to get consistently where I was like I was always breaking ninety, and then towards the end of the year I was consistently breaking like eighty six, eighty seven. So I was like eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. I had an I think an eighty one that I shot. I broke forty last year like two or three times on nine. So I was like, I was starting to put some stuff together. Um, and I find that building off of that, again, I'm not going to be a scratch golfer. But my goal would be to probably get down to a single digit handicap. And on, I, would I, love to, I would love to see my scoring average be 80, meaning I have a couple high 70s, a couple low 80s. So long as you beat Andy, though. That's the common and, and basically, those are all secondary to beating Andy on Wednesday mornings. So. Of course, of course. What, what's, your, uh, what's your goals this year? My goal this year is actually a bit different. Like, <clears throat> so one, the biggest thing I have for myself is to try to not tinker and really trust myself more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really trying to focus on, so I'm playing around with the lift in the left heel a little bit. Yep. Um, it's little helping, me, helping me turn through a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of helps to initiate the downswing. But one of the things, one of the biggest things I'm working on is tempo and rhythm. I'm really trying to focus on swinging really within myself, making a balance follow through, trying not to, to like swing off balance. And I'm really trying to focus on, like, with that, kind of branching off of that, really letting the club do it. Um, I definitely lost sight of the fact that speed is created at the bottom of the swing, not the top. Yep. Thankfully, some friends reminded me of that. And uh, since then, as far as, you know, I've played 36 holes so far this year, two nines and an 18. And taking, I, I've seen flashes of, of what I deem to be particularly, like, solid golf in my, for my expectations. Mm-hmm branching off of those like just holding staying true to that and trying to focus on really maintaining a good tempo and good rhythm and so i'm hoping the consistency will come once we get some more reps in but from what i, I like what i see so far what 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 do you think's the strength of your game <sighs> um it's it's hit or miss um i can tell you one thing for sure it is not 
chipping and pitching. Chipping, I have no feel right now whatsoever. Yeah, literally. I mean, um, I would say the best, the strength of my game, if I had to pick something, would probably be driving off the tee. Um, I consider my, I consider myself a pretty solid driver. Uh, I think if, if you give me a three wood, my, give me my three wood, I could, I could probably find the fairway more often than not. But uh, I'd say driving off the tee. But if I get a little quick with my driver, I'm hooking it. So got, got, got to fleece that out. You, yeah, I was gonna say if you're. Like I'm not, I'm not worried so much now if I'm a little laid off at the top or like I don't like how it looks. If it's not aesthetically pleasing, all I worry about is what the impact was like and what the result is and if I finish the follow-through. Those, keeping it, I'm trying to really simplify golf a lot more and think about more, all right, where do I want to miss? Because I really haven't thought about that. For me, it's always been, all right, let's just fire at the pin. What am I? Maybe like 130. All right, wind, like club. All right. So you're attacking like, every Trigger, pin. let's go. That's how I used to be. Yeah. Um, what I'd like to do this year, and while I still do go out a lot, what I'd like to do this year is really think my way around the course better, really analyze like, okay, you know, it's a little colder, like, you know, th- take a, take a bit more into account and really focus on that in between shots. Because there are times like, I mean, there were times last year where I would hit in our morning sessions, for example, be 125 yards out and I'd hit a pitching wedge and I'd be 10 yards short. Like it's cold. There's dew on the ground, like the ball's obviously not going to travel as far. So why not try to, why not hit like a knockdown nine or an easy nine? Why not rather than try to aim with if the pins on number two, you know, front, right? Like, all right, where, where would you really want to miss this? You want to be below the hole. So, you know, uh, I, I try to, try to really, try to really think my way around a course better this year is what I'm trying to do. I, I think if I had to pick, your driver when you're on is lethal. Like, I long, I appreciate straight. that. Thank you. But the best round of golf I saw you play last year, I think we played, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you had like close to 15 greens in regulation. You played, there was one point on the What front, did I shoot? I can't. I, think, I, I, I don't think you were with me either the day. Because I shot. It wasn't so my, when you shot 70. No, 75. 75 no, is my day. low. I shot that twice last year. I think I shot with you guys. I think I shot like 78, 79, something like that. Whatever. And again, a lot of this came down to was like you might have three-putted or something like that. But I I think you started out the first – God. I want to – I feel like on the front nine you hit like eight of the nine greens. And there was a couple – I remember you, one time you, playing with you guys. I started out three under after four holes. Yep. But that was – that was a fluke. <laughs> but didn't you end up? Would you end up that round though? Was it even? So that when I was three under through four holes, no, I think I ended up shooting. Or I think I over? think if I remember correctly, I think that was the day I shot thirty five and I had to leave. Yeah, you left after nine. Yeah, I think it was, that it was one was, under. Yeah, I think okay. that was the day I shot thirty five. I was one under and I had to leave. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that because yeah, you were that. But that wasn't the same day that you was. The I don't same know. The greens and rights. It might have been because I mean it would make sense. Like it, I definitely know. The thing, like retelling the story now, I'm. You know what the hard part is. I don't remember the back nine in that story, so maybe it was when you shot thirty five and you only played nine. That's why it makes sense. It could just, have been because I definitely hit, hit like, every everything green. and yeah. like every ball. You I was hit making was high, making like, a lot of putts. Like yeah, you had a, it was it was a good day. You had a legitimate birdie shot, I think, on like eight of the nine holes. Um, it was a good day for sure. So, um, just because I know we got to wrap this up, top three things. Now that I'm really thinking about it. If I had to pick my golf game, I know people say driver. I'm going to work my way down here. 
my driver has to be more consistent because my driver last year never put me in a, a good position. It was, it was just, was not like a, do you, do you feel like you drive, if you drive the ball off the tee, good, right? Like, so you're having a day and you're like, all right, I'm driving the ball. Well, mm-hmm. do you think you have a tendency to score better when you do oh, that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I'm longer and I'm like in the fairway or just off the fairway and I have like most holes that we play around here, I would say my length when I get a, like, I hit a ball the way I want to hit a golf ball. My length overall, I think, is fine for my skill. Oh, level. no doubt. I mean, like, I, I've played with you enough to attest yeah, to that. Like, I, I'm not someone hitting like if I can hit a good, decent golf ball, it's going about 270. You know, and I say like the way I want to hit it. Like, if I if you were to say hit 10 golf balls and like your top couple good ones, I'm like, yeah, they're all going to be about that 270, 260 to 280. Like, right, depending on a couple variables. But the problem was I was not consistent with that last year. So, like, you could get in a rhythm where you were hitting, like, five, six, seven really good shots, like, in a round, and you always, you had a scoring club. And you, like, the amount of times last year I would take a driver and either hit three off the tee, or I put myself in a position where I had to, like, chip back in the fairway, or just, like, short, like, maybe just kind of pulled it left, and it was, like, 220 yards, 30 yards down the left rough, <laughs> but now I have a five iron in over, like, a bunker. Like, I just wasn't very good off the tee consistently. Um, so that would be number one is to get that as a little bit more reliable attacking club to put me in position. My other, my one that I'm actually more focused on right now is getting, um, getting my distances dialed in with wedges at different, um, approach shot lengths. So basically that, you know, 20 to 120 yardage where I'm just like, I'm, I know instead of guesstimating and getting up and being like, ah, let me try to just feel this one. No, nah, like you know where you're at. You yeah, know like what club I know it is. this. I can, I can, I know what my 75 yard shot is, like, or my 60 yard shot is, like, whatever that is. I want to dial that in. And my third one, we talk about course management. It would be thinking the course, but thinking the course in the sense of like, where can I put myself where, and my, my initial thought goes into where I'm not short siding myself. So, and again, for people that don't know, short-siding yourself. If the green's on the left part of the green, don't miss left. Yeah. yeah miss on the side yeah. opposite of the hole. Make sure where you miss, you have a lot of green to work with. Because if you don't, then that's always a tough one. So always that's, a tough that's, that's really my main thing. Is like, where can I, A, not lose a golf ball. And then B, to the point where I'm not like, I'm short, I'm not short-siding myself. Where I might not get up and down, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk a, four shots to get down from no the short side. So I tell you, I think I might take a page out of your book too, as far as playing, what is it? Snell or uh, yeah, Snell dude. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. So they, bullish I'm Snell. pissed. They discontinued the MGs, but I mean, I take your word for it. I take your word for it. The Snell. I mean, remind me the person that made the Snell formerly was like, what? Like he had some say in the creation of the pro V's or something, he right? He was the guy that created the pro V one. He was the guy, um, if you read the go on snow.com and read about the guy, he's got like yeah, a doctorate, to. PhD in like plastic main engineering or something. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. Like he's got was, Yeah, me neither. He's got this said very it. high degree in plastic, I think it's plastic engineering. Um his name I think is Dean Dean Snell. Um but look it up. It's great. So um Alex, Snow anything golf. else or, or GT, I just got to say, uh, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. I know it's been a little bit, um, and we got to talk about some great stuff, not just golf, but other things as well. I'm always appreciative of, of coming here. You, you know, you've always been great to me, um, and I definitely look forward to getting on the course with you. 
Same. But la- I didn't even ask you because uh, PGA, who you got? Is that what's next? Is that what's next? Um, you know what? This is going to be... I'm hoping my guy breaks through. I, I think this win gives him a bit of momentum. I'm, pu- I'm going to pull for my man Xander here. Uh, I, I, I love watching Xander. Xander's just... I'm going I'm going to go Xander here. Xander Southern Hills. Tiger won the last time they played there, right? <clears throat> I'd be was the wrong it? person to ask. I think he may have, but So Man, let me see. I I feel like the names that come to me are Cam Smith, she- I'm going Cam Smith. I'm going Cam Smith. Didn't finish Masters, correct. It, I shouldn't say not correct. I'm not saying he should have won. He didn't play like I think he knows he can play, and I think he's going to string it together. I think just the chip was just. Two. I think the chip was just debilitating. I think he was on his way to a special round, and that was just ah. Uh, and but, then when 12 came around, that really did him in. But think about the round. He had two bad rounds and was still in the final pairing. Like still yeah, that's like true. Got, so this second round was terrible too. So all right, we're gonna end there. Uh episode one eighty eight of the Galen Trombley show, Al Godenhog. Stay good tuned in. Show. Appreciate you having me good again. Golfer, GT, good thank you thank you man. I UNC appreciate it. Tar Hill. That's you know what it is. Thank you again for having me. All right. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling G A E L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.